Hey, listeners, this is Jeff Reed with the Church Digital Podcast. I'm excited about this episode coming up. This is going to be a really, really fun conversation. So on the podcast today, we've got Anthony Coppage. Now, this guy goes way back. I'm going to be honest. This man was an influence to me back in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, an early voice in, in church and back in a time where as a production director, as a guy who was involved in church, doing church communications, even with the dawn of, of social media and a lot of that stuff, there weren't a lot of influences back there back in the day. Anthony Coppage has been and, and it continues to be one of those voices. And so I ran into Anthony, not in the physical realm, but more in the virtual realm and in a Facebook group. There was a, a question that was asked recently in an online digital and church leader Facebook group. By the way, we'll include a link to that if you guys want to get involved in, in this group, if you're in the digital ministry and you're not connected to this Facebook group, it's a group, great group to be in. But Andy Mage, who's a new uh, online pastor uh, with Bay Hope Church, asked the question, how does you handle membership in con church membership in context of church online? And so uh, a bunch of people started saying some things. I said some things. Uh, Anthony Coppage comes in and says some things. And all of a sudden, Anthony and I uh, throw Andy in the mix and, and, and some others really ended up getting into a, a deep conversation of what exactly church membership is. And, and somewhere in this conversation, I realized, wait, we don't need to just do this on Facebook. We need to have this conversation for real, get this recorded and share this with others. And so that's what today's podcast is going to be, ladies and gentlemen. We are literally going to be talking about what exactly is church membership and how can it work online. We've got Anthony Coppage on the show. We've got Ray Diarmas, of course, online pastor at Christ Fellowship and Miami, diving into the conversation of church membership in context of church online. Here you go. What if you said church membership to the average church? Ray, you answer this question. Ray's in the online realm or in as online pastor, former campus pastor at Christ Fellowship Miami. And don't make this about CF yeah. Miami. You won't. But like what? Well, how is church membership defined today uh, in, in an so average? What, yeah, when I talk to different pastors about church membership, um, in, their, in their mind, and, and some of the things that come out is, hey, I am responsible for this individual spiritually. I'm responsible for their spiritual development and for their growth directly. Like I'm identifying like the people that I am directly responsible for and that we are entering into a covenant agreement that they're entering underneath my care and underneath my stewardship and, and their responsibility is, you know, in, in some cases, like in Southern Baptist cases, uh, you know, they vote, they have a say in church, you know, matters uh, that can vary from church to church. Uh, that can even vary like in style of church in the sense of strategy, whether it's multi-site or whether it's, Hey, we have church online and, and some of these folks can or can't, have a say in terms of what happens here. And so that's where some of that becomes problematic. But generally, generally it has to do with, hey, so now you get a say in the family and I'm now recognizing that you're an official member of the family. That you're not just somebody who comes in, that you're kind of, uh, you know, and for lack of a better metaphor, that we've adopted you into our care. And so that's, that's kind of what I've seen when I've talked to different pastors and ministers uh, of churches that have membership. So, like, what's uh, at, at Christ Fellowship? Let's drill into this. Like, just curious, sure. what's the process to go from like a, uh, a visitor to somebody that that's a membership? What is that? What what does that process look like for in, in any given church? 
Absolutely. So for us, it's been, hey, so they take, you know, membership class, which we term CF 101, right? Uh, churches have different forms of this. Uh, this isn't that far fetched from like, you know, we, we talked with Jay Crand on the podcast before, you know, Saddleback kind of directed the whole 101, 201, 301, 401 process for their membership. For us, we have 101 in which we explain the lay of the land, which is similar in strategy in that we expect people to attend worship. We expect them to connect to a small group. We expect them to join a ministry team. Uh, joy survey team and then finally we expect them you know to tell others about christ or to go on mission whether it's locally or globally and so you know that's the strategy and so what we expect them to do is to enact all parts of the strategy of course we're still good southern baptist church and so they've got to be baptized by immersion you know and uh or joined by letter from another church see anthony laughing over there i i know i know that strikes a chord with you baby and so this is this is kind of what it is to be a member you know and so they they enter into a covenant by signing off on a document and now they're a member of our church. That's essentially what it is. They're enacting the four parts of the strategy. Uh, we as such, we keep up with them as members. And, you know, when we go through our voting process, like basically around once a year, uh, they get to take part in that, you know, which for us, and this is kind of the struggle, even then ecclesiologically, it still happens like during a service hour in which, yes, some people who aren't members also possibly raise their hand and vote. That's just, you know, with some transparency there. That's something that happens. So, there you go. So, with with the the, the wrestle, you know, and, and in context of, of Andy's question when he was wrestling with when he was asking this, is hey, I've got I've got members that are no, I said members. It's funny. I've got people who are experiencing our services online. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if if you have a well developed discipleship process involving small groups and, and, and a strong vision towards online, mm -hmm. you could have people who are engaged in your church um, virtually, uh, maybe mm -hmm. even at the same level as someone is at the physical realm. Or, you know, or and that, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I can think, and mm -hmm. I'm just open up here, I can think of a personal story when, as I as an online pastor, had someone who was um, in another state who had, yep. so, had someone who was uh, regularly giving um, mm -hmm. a very high amount not that size matters but was regularly sure. giving and tithing as would be appreciated and expected at a church uh was leading a small group was serving mm -hmm. as a small group leader uh you know and if you're checking off your first base second boxes. base third base the boxes thank you yeah. uh rick warren if you're checking that off this person's fully engaged you know in into creating this disciple of of, of christ at least how the church had deemed it um but this person's in another state, in another time zone. And as a result of that, yep. um, they're, they're not able to, at least in context of the church that I was at, they're not able to be held to that same standard of membership, um, even though they are as dedicated, if not more dedicated, than, than, than someone else. And so that's, that's some of the standard issues that we see in context of, of church online membership. Uh, and so, um, you know, Anthony, in, in your experience kind of um, walking into this and, and what you've seen over, over your years of, of membership, uh, of, of uh, ministry, <laughs> what that does... Was a, that was a great slip. Yeah, it was good, right? Um, I'll cut that out. This would be great. In your context of, of years of, of ministry, like what, what does membership look like or, or mean to you? How, when you look at the challenge of of an online member that may be as dedicated or, or more, 
you know, obviously you're feeling something like, okay, the online person needs to be permitted to, to have a, own a piece of the vision, but, but what does that look like in, in today's age? I disagree with that statement. Um, they don't need permission to do anything because the, the way it works to become a member basically is, is applied to being, to choose to be under the governance of, of a group or a person, right? Typically, Bible says elders, right? So but you're under authority. That's a willful choice. So the choice to join or not is not the organization's choice. It's the person's choice, right? Mm. right? So, so I would flip what you said. Um, it's the church that gets to say, hey, these are the things we would really like. How do you feel about that? Because that's inclusive versus when you say, this is what it takes to play here. And if you want to be a part of it, sign on this contract or covenant or whatever you want to call it. And then they go, well, isn't that exclusive? Mm -hmm. But those are our rules. Now, no one has, a, I don't think, no, I can't say no one. I know there are some pastors I've met them that are this way, but, but I would like to say that most pastors are not thinking that manipulatively. They're just trying to have some sort of confusion around vision, right? So I understand the thinking there, but what ends up happening is the way we articulate and frame it becomes about you come be a part of our thing by our terms and we'll do things that benefit you. Hmm. That's a well, good point. And that's been the struggle with that term, right? With membership. It's, it has been. Because I can be a member of a gym or Costco or, uh, or a church or a, a group. I, but that's my choice as the person. I get to choose to be a part of that. Now, the group may have rules. If you want to be a part of this group, you got to do these things. Yeah, I get that. They can choose to accept or reject that. But ultimately, if we're trying to have open arms and say, we just, we love you, we're all about people or whatever your thing is, then you're going to say, will you join with us? Can, can we serve you? It's, a, it's both ways, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, are you just wanting to come be a part of our thing? That's exclusive. It's how do we serve you? That's inclusive. And mm -hmm. That's a distinction that I think should be made that is not. And it also leads to the discussion of, well, then should an online church have the same vision as the main church that's sponsoring it or running? Or should that functionally, because it's operating differently, have a different set of mission statements, maybe aligned to a vision, or should it operate exactly the same? Well, let's, that, let's, that, that's where it becomes the quality, of church, the quality of church becomes difficult at that point, because now we're, we have gray areas that don't know, we don't know how to address uh, for the most yeah. part. I have ideas, but Let's 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 park on that because and this is actually DJ DJ Soto uh, VR Church was was on a couple yeah. episodes ago uh, episode I think it was fourteen if you're keeping score at home and um, and so he was talking about how and it was it was a new concept to me he's he's like mm. physical church uh, has a different set of rules than what he defined as digital church church online oh. which yeah. has a when his his term because he's doing in VR he's like. VR is a completely set of different roles than, than digital. But what you're saying is that digital church, online church may have a different scope, a, a different set. Uh, Anthony, as, as you're wrestling with that, like how do you see it being different? Um, are you familiar with Andy Grove? Andy Grove was the uh, CEO for Intel. One okay. of the things he talked about was leadership and management. And what he said was that just like tennis, you have to have a good forehand and a good backhand, right? So you have to be able to lead and manage. So leadership is inspiring people uh, to go where they've never been um, and to trust to some extent to, to, to buy into that. 
Whereas management is the execution of this by then in, in this way. And a really, really good manager is someone who just gets junk out of the way and lets people get their stuff done, right? So if you think about that model, then what we're saying is, can we inspire people to follow the same vision? Maybe. Can we manage them the same to accomplish something the same as in physical versus virtual or online versus true? No, probably not. You're probably going to have to do that differently. Your forehand's going to have to be solid, but then your backhand's going to be solid. So one of the things I've said is that um, if you follow Amy's advice, then you must become comfortable with specific encouragement and helpful criticism because you're taking on both roles. Uh, you've got to say it's got to be less like that, it should be more like this, and you've got to be the kind of person who walks that. So you take the advice of growth, growth for the leadership management, which would apply at both levels, physical church, online, digital, whatever, but then you also change the rules of the game because the game is physically different in the virtual or online space. So the same rules are different. What is out of bounds in tennis on a physical court is very different than what it is when it's pixels, right? So now I've got to figure out, can I, can I even have the rules be the same or do I need to change the rules? Why are we limited to a two-dimensional court or even a three-dimensional court? Why couldn't we have a court that's on, on all four dimensions of X and Y axis? Yeah. I mean, like literally, it's possible to think about it so differently that it doesn't even begin to resemble the original thing. Therefore, it shouldn't or couldn't have the same vision because it's operating fundamentally differently. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love this, but let's, let's put a little more practical angle on it, both you guys, either one. Like practical execution of that. We're talking 2D, 3D, 4D. I know those are analogies towards, yeah. towards things, but, but let's, let's, cause somebody out there is thinking 4D, what do we have to like figure out how to make our church service smell? We're not talking literal in that context. What is, uh, what are some right. practical examples of where a pixel church, I like that, is different than a physical church? Ray, you're an mm -hmm. online pastor. You deal with this all day long. Give me some examples. Well, so there's there's some similarities in that, you know, <laughs> the funny thing about that is the similarities that I've seen are, you know, when I come to a physical church service and when I come to a digital church service, uh, I'm basically receiving a lot of content. I'm being, you know, sung at, <laughs> I'm being preached at. And so I'm basically downloading a whole lot of content at once. Uh, we've quoted this before from Ed Stetzer in terms of we construct our churches, you know, we're one person uses the you know the majority of time uses his gift and everybody else just kind of sits around and watch watches from that perspective and in that way physical locations and digital locations are exactly the same now in a digital environment from what i've seen uh conversation can take place a lot more naturally within the service and you don't get your hands slapped for talking during the message you remember when you were a kid and it's like at least you know my parents bribe me with mcdonald's if i kept my mouth shut during church you know all i do is just awesome. Keep quiet and then eat happy meal afterwards. It's all cool. You know, with digital church, this, you know, the carrots on the stick the other way. No, we want you to engage. We want right. you to talk. We want you different to Different rules for a different game. Yeah, we want you to interact with what it is that we're talking about now. We want you to have real-time conversation. Not even in small group does this is take place. Wow. You know, as the small group video is happening, right, in, in, in real time, we're telling everybody to be quiet. And then afterwards, we have the discussion. In real time, in a digital environment, the content is just going and we're encouraging as much interaction between one another as possible. And so that's where to me, where the digital environment is amazing because we're encouraging the conversation. We're not trying to slap the hand and keep it quiet. We're like, no, please talk during church, talk during church. We want yeah, that. And beyond that, Ray, I think you're, that's spot on. That's a good example of how the pixel is different from the physical, right? But here's another difference. 
that's a continuous stream of consciousness live on Sunday. That's our weekend, if I'm going to call that. But it, it doesn't have to be continuous stream of consciousness when you have digital. Now, if you're facilitating a live stream, sure. But what if you're doing small group? Or what if the way you're presenting it is so different that you actually get pause and you have discussion and then you get play? And it's video on demand, right? Or content. Right. It doesn't have to be an uninterrupted stream where you talk over it like, oh, we're missing something. You can hit pause. And mm -hmm. they will sit there and wait because that's that's normal, right? So again, the rules change. So you, you're flexing muscles that you don't even have in the other space. And that's right. you have to, so you have to change the rules to play that way. I think what we're getting to though is that you're asking, and it's a good question, Jeff, what are the differences? But here, what's the same? There mm. is one focus. There is one focus. Disciples. That's right. Therefore, go and make disciples. Wasn't the great suggestion, right? So if that's the thing we're doing is the common denominator, then what we have to figure out is why do the church pundits and church leaders got to stop confusing style or format with focus? It's hung up on the technology or the medium or the time shifting. We can't seem to get past the thing that says, but, but, but this is how we've always done it. And yet the very people saying that are the ones who complained about the church that came before them always saying, that's the way we've always done it. They're like, you're irrelevant already. Hey, guys, check the mirror in 2019. You might be irrelevant too. You just have a hip version of irrelevancy, right? So instead, the constructive discussion here should be intentionally focusing away from programmatic attendance generator or styles of service to expend time, effort, and resources on deliberately emphasizing a personal journey of serving and leading others, period. Yeah. How, you, how you play that out has lots of options. Mm. And, uh, and so, and, and I've talked about this and blogged about this, we'll put it in the show notes, is, is this idea of church online decentralizes your ministry. It and to me, it's just because you're, so you're right. Say, yeah, ex exactly. And, but, and, and okay, so let's unpack this down because that's a great point. If, if, I'm a, if I'm a one campus, I'm paying professionals to do ministry. Um, and, and so, like, no, I'm you're, not. you're paying professionals to facilitate the doing of ministry. You hope. That's right. And, no, and so, that's what you should be doing, right? Yeah, okay. You, you hope you are. In reality, you may or, or may not be. Multi site. You if you're start, not, it's poor stewardship. in that, but at, at the end of the day, and, and so like I, I'm, I'm confession. I may be a little jaded on this, um, but when you look at when you look at a physical campus, right, um, you're going to see a lot more of the hero of the story. The hero of ministry is oftentimes that lead pastor on the stage. It's going to be mm -hmm. the 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 staff person who's doing ministry out there to the tens or the hundreds or, or the thousands, depending upon the ministry side. When I look at church online, I actually see that as an opportunity for the, the, the lead pastor, the lead communicator on stage, um, whoever it is, like that doesn't, that power doesn't necessarily convey in another time zone, in another state. The, the hero of the context, story, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the hero of the story is the individual who you empower and say, hey, you know what? You're in another time zone from this church. Um, we want to disciple you and empower you to create a biblical community where you are. Right. You're in another time zone. Let's create a little little piece of, of this church in your in your state. And all, all of a sudden, like the and if you're if we're working this discipleship model, the church online isn't the abandonment, which a lot of times people think. It's not the abandonment of physical community. 
it's the starting of new physical communities all over the places where discipling and empowering people to develop these communities where they are. Christ Fellowship Miami, this is a great example. Christ Fellowship Miami right now has a, a physical small group that meets in San Antonio, Texas. Yep. Uh, it's led by a person that my mother, uh, who's 72 years old, discipled and, and grew to the place where she's now leading a physical small group in San Antonio. It's another yeah. time zone. It's a 20-hour drive away. That uh -huh. person- so Culture too. Oh, yeah. Oh, a Bible Belt versus, yeah, completely. But like that person in San Antonio standing on her own, creating this community with her coworkers and friends, that person's my hero. Right. Like, I, I would rather tell her story and the stories like that, that all day long. But because yeah. we've gone from um, the staff and, and, and I used to, I used the term earlier professional Christians. And I even like, I don't, I don't really mean that, but sure. it, it's gone from a, Hey, I'm going to do the work to I'm going to empower others to do the work. And, and I'm not, I'm not looking for this because I'm trying to celebrate myself as much as now I want to empower others and my joy comes from watching other ministry happen that's right and we're actually getting ready to have another one in california which is which is awesome you know it's one of those things where um you know exactly what you're talking about anthony like our, our role as pastors in ephesians right it says that we're supposed to we're supposed to empower others to do the work of the ministry you know like that's that's what the shepherd is supposed to do we're not supposed to be the doers of the ministry we're supposed to be the empowers we're supposed to set people unleash set them free unleash them to do ministry. The great thing about church online that you're getting at Jeff that I love is that it decentralizes that in that it's not limited to time and space. Once upon a time, we had to worry about spaces or about Sunday school spaces or certain times where content could be get distributed like leadership training or, you know, even theological training or different stuff. Now, because we can record something or we can live stream it, or we can put it on demand. We don't have to worry as much about people showing up at a specific time. We can get it to them where they're at and they can go back and and re-energize with that same content they can re they can go back and share that content with others and we can encourage them and empower them to do so that's really like the one of the big wins that i see in in this pixel in this digital environment is content doesn't have to die because oh you weren't there you missed it no 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 instead here's the content you take it and run with it and you go reach other people for christ with it because you got it in the palm of your hand there's a there's a uh, a parallel Right in the, in the business world, one of the things we're seeing is, is companies to do more remote work. And what they're saying, it's, it's better for a lot of our employees to not physically be here, even in the same time zones. And we can distribute the work, not just outside of campus, but outside of time zone to another country. Um, and it's very common to do that, but, but it just takes a different set of skills. And so what you have to go is from the synchronous communication to asynchronous communication from synchronous activity alignment to asynchronous results going into the line right so instead of saying i need you to be in this meeting so that you can take the notes and we can get this powerpoint built or whatever we're going to get this thing delivered now you have a, a group of people that you entrust and you delegate that information the resources out you have a process to manage to get them from a to z and you have check-ins along the way and you don't ever have to physically be with any of them I just wrote an article on medium.com um, that says, um, how did I, I can look it up. But basically it's that, that you, as a remote manager, I value performance over presence, right? And so okay. it's, very, it's very results oriented. Well, if I think about the discipleship thing we were just talking about, it, it's right in that same discussion. 
because mm -hmm. what we're saying is that we're interested in seeing you get what you need to go and to, to do whatever you can, wherever you are with whatever you have. We want That's a good. resource to facilitate that as it makes sense to you at your time and place, not as we have an offering on a weekend to deliver it to. That's a significant shift and it's hard for, I think, the American church model, which is based around that, pop up something on a weekend and build everything towards the weekend and then try to make it sustained throughout the week and then we get repeats every seven days. That model doesn't even begin to apply in the, in the picture world, in the digital world. And I think we have to be able to say, it's okay that it's different and we need to empower and release this to be something that grows and does what it can with what it has and not beholden to the, the synchronous work of a physical church. It's asynchronous on purpose. And, and by the way, with greater value to that community. Hmm. It doesn't have the same value if it has to be synchronous. This is why I look at the, hey, we stream at these times. Why? Not that that's wrong, but yeah. couldn't you just say it's on demand? And here are the times we facilitate group discussions. And mm -hmm. they could Tuesday nights in this time zone and Monday afternoons in that time zone. It's if you're really trying to take this and grow it, I think you have to get past the weekend model as the support anchor for the whole thing. So, yeah. for example, when I talk to senior pastors, and I've done this in a while to ask this question, but, but I'm sure the numbers are similar. I would ask, what percent of what you share is remembered on Tuesday morning by your congregation? And the answer is usually between 20 and 30%, which I think is high, right? So instead of saying we, we front load and put this massive amount of effort into creating this awesome thing, i.e. a weekend service, that message then has to try to be applied during the week. Well, what better way to do that than asynchronously? So mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's a genius to the and rather than the, than the uh, competition of the or. I agree with that completely. Now, I want to take some of that and kind of point it back to the membership and kind of just kind of ask the question, Anthony, in terms of, all right, so we've got this content, we got people interacting with it. And hey, that's cool. You know, but they're not, they're not, you know, here in person, how much of a say should they really have around here? If that's the case, like how should they be able to like help elect the senior pastor? Should they be able to help elect like some of the people that are making decisions around here? Like, because that's where I hear a lot of churches get confused. Church polity. Here's, here's the unpopular answer. Does it matter? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. if, if they're doing ministry in San Antonio and they're having great growth and people coming to Jesus or they're learning together and they're serving their community in, in unique and meaningful ways, does it matter? Mm -hmm. Not unless you care about propping up the organization out of the mission of the vision. And I, I think that's the problem, right? We're so... We want to honor leadership, we want to honor and do these things to be a part of a process, but I think the whole church polity is where it breaks down. And it's also why, if you go back from Reformation, obviously that the schisms that have happened on the timeline of church history since then, because someone's always trying to figure out, yeah, but what about this? And so they always want to have their piece of the pie. What if it just doesn't matter? Well, I think that's where a lot of people are, not just the nuns or the unchurched. I think that's where a lot of the church people, they I just don't care as much about that. I, my neighbor needs help. Or, you know, I lost my job. We could really use some help. Um, I, I need some training. We, need, we could really use a little bit of cash. Whatever that looks like, there are ways we can practically help that has nothing to do with church policy. So mm -hmm. if you take that discussion and, and, and um, I'm not going to say remove it, if you dethrone it from the place of prominence that I think a lot of denominational have, and you just got back to how do you love people and, and make disciples and help people where they are, 
Church Poland will have very, 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 very little to say about it. You know, Romans 13, no leadership's in place that God hasn't instituted. And so, you know, some of that, I feel like we just try to over-orchestrate things that, that we really shouldn't be worrying about, uh, to, to Anthony's point of, of just making disciples. And what we've, we've done here, and I don't know that I intentionally mean it, meant to do it this way, but we kind of did. Like we're, we're setting this picture that that church online has more of a discipleship structure or potential for discipleship structure by decentralizing away from leadership and empowering the people to be the heroes. Um, you know, even this this idea of, well, in a pixel church, we, we can have, you know, a much more um, integration of uh, or uh, uh, what's the word uh, chatting and, and, and talking and be able to engage people. Engagement, um, yeah. engagement was worth looking for uh, engaging people in, in a virtual environment but we don't have it in, in the physical uh, but then I mean honestly like I, I said in a conference um, you know and, and I hear I hear the, the speakers say Clay Scroggins he's like the the church uh, the church business model that we operate on today needs to be destroyed mm -hmm. and it wasn't his exact words I think he actually said blow up uh, but the, the point of where we're operating in, in up to this point over the past 2000 years has worked, but culture is shifting away from the traditional business model where they're not engaging with this. 66% of the people are not wanting to come into your building. 80% of people will have a conversation about their faith with their friends, not coming in to see, um, to hear, you know, a lecture from the stage. Um, right. at, at, at what point do we look at the, at the and this is a loaded question. Like, I, and I don't know yeah. that we're going to solve this problem today. But at what point do we look at at the physical church and say, okay, hey, there's some lessons we need to learn in general because the things that we're doing oh. may or may not be effective today. Now, see, Ray, Jeff just took out his 11 foot pole there, right? That's huh. the pole that that you use when you don't touch things with your 10 foot pole. That's the right. big one. You're poking the big thing now, and and you're right, right that that's a big thing. Well, you know, the struggle that I have with that is, is, you know, the argument that it's always worked, you know, we have to go back and we have to take a look at how we've adapted over time too, you know, and point out our inconsistencies in terms of strategy. Like I remember in seminary, you know, we had, uh, we had a great discussion over where and when Sunday night services became a thing and why some people still did them. And what we started to unearth was it was a, it was a structured way to reach farmers at one point, And then it just became tradition. As opposed to, oh, this is New Testament mandated or something along those lines. And it made a lot of folks uncomfortable as far as how a lot of that went down. You said something, Ray, that I just want to challenge. You said, well, we do it because it works. Let me just ask the big question. If it works so well, why does 66% of people never show up and 80% won't have that discussion? That's right. That's not the, right, the, the, the stats would tell you it's not working. But right. here's what it means for most churches. It's working well enough to maintain the status quo and they're comfortable. Now, whether they, they have a hard heart about that or not, or they just are ignorant, I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's the oh. truth. Because the reason that happens, and I, I'm going to read something because I had it off to the side here just for this moment. The scorecard of the Western church is typically based on what is easily understandable and obviously measurable. Attendance, giving, volunteerism. These right. are observed by visible and quantifiable so they easily become the low-hanging fruit of determining that success right it's working of a ministry organization but left unchecked they also become the measure of peer success with church leaders 
How big is your church? When you see two pastors at any conference I've ever been to, they walk up, so what are you guys running? What do you yeah. guys do? It's always, always this like, 100%. It just kills me. The, the yeah. easy three metrics are often generally codified into some alliterated version of faith, family, and finances, right? So how do you promote a volunteer? Well, uh, faith, family, and finance. How do you validate those three? We check their finances. If they're given, they can vote. So really, it's not faith, family, and finances. It's finances. How about their faith and family? Um, well, it's really hard to know that. You're right. It is. But they'll say faith, family, finance. So in the digital world, what makes someone a good member? What makes someone a good member at church? What makes someone a good deacon or usher or parking lot reader? Right? <laughs> do you see the warm body or do you actually want someone who's living something out? And, and how do you validate that? The only way is through relationship. And people don't scale. Right. Systems and processes scale, but people don't scale. So what you're right. talking about is, is having enough people with enough touch points, what I would call a span of care, that you have enough spans of cares that you are touching all the people, and it does roll up, and you do have visibility into it, but you don't have control. There's the big thing, because, wow. oh gosh, I can't do that, because then I wouldn't be the one making the decisions. Or, Well, here's the thing. When pressed... You get to this place where you say you're only trying to capture on one factor. So what makes a member? Someone who gives? It was one time, and I'm old enough to say this, that one of the churches in Dallas-Fort Worth was listed as the largest church in America. And I went there on a weekend, and there were nowhere near <laughs> the largest church in America kind of numbers. And what I found out was on their membership rolls, it was what, 30,000 people way back in the day. And it was like, oh, that wow. was the number one church. And I'm like, but that's not who's showing up, right? Maybe they're all giving, that's your determination of, of, of size, but man, it, it, we've really just got the metrics back. We left the, we left the, the, the lagging indicators wag the tail of the, the wag the dog, right? But the tail of lagging indicators is wag the dog of the church. And what we've got to get into the leading indicators, the leading indicators are a lot harder, right? Mm -hmm. Those are things like, hey, what is the ratio of our volunteers to uh, new, new, new members or new salvations? What is the number of people who said they would sign up for something in person if they show up? What is the number of new volunteers in our current pipeline that we've had that have been sitting there for more than 90 days and it's still not plugged in because we haven't properly vetted them, right? Those leading indicators tell you way more about the church health than they do about the growth of something. And that to me is where we've got to stop looking at this as a numerical thing. There is quantitative data, sure, but there's quantitative anecdotal insights and that's relational. That's always going to be relational. And you cannot ever tell me that you need to know that number. Look, a thermometer will tell you what the temperature is outside. And if you need to know that, that's useful. How many people went to this thing? 96. Awesome. Okay, here's the better question. How many people were supposed to go to that that said they were going to sign up but didn't show up? 474. Well, that's a pretty poor ratio. So what happened to the rest of them? We don't know. Yep. Do you follow up? No. Well, that would probably be more interesting uh, and, and more viable for actual ministry than, than just doing another event and having a similar poor ratio, because that's just the percentage of people that, well, our open rates are low, our click-through rates are low. Uh, it's just what it is what it is, but, but we know it's reaching people. No, it's not actually. So are you willing to go back and do retargeting? Are you willing to go back and figure out where the missed need was, the opportunity? Are you putting systems in place not to measure, but to understand? Are you willing to move away from the thermometer and go to a barometer? which is how you predict the weather by the way, right? right? There is a number on a barometer. It will tell you the air pressure, but what's important, the key is not the number. It is, where is that number in relation to where it was an hour ago? 
What is the right. rate and direction of change? That is more like this, less like that. We need to be comfortable in that really great area of we're looking for more like this, less like that. And we look for that over time again and again and again in ways that aren't easy to measure because we actually want to make an impact and make sure discipleship is happening so that the effort we're expending and the money that people are entrusting us to pour into this is actually becoming a verifiable ROM, return on ministry. All right, offensive box. That's good. Is that is that a I thing? R O M. I think that's the first time uh, I've heard. I like that. that. Oh, yeah, I, that was from like nineteen ninety eight when I taught it at the conference, so it's old. Nineteen. Man, let's bring it back. I, like I, I think I was like in college. So congratulations. <laughs> um, that, that that's good stuff. I may have been at that conference. I'm I'm not sure. Here's the problem of where we are. We've just spent a good chunk of time having a a, a theoretical conversation. That, that I think was good, but like the, the guy sitting at his church and, and he's like, okay, I'm trying to create this discipleship strategy. I understand the, the, the power of online to do this, like, but leadership doesn't, they don't, they don't see it. They don't, they don't agree. Um, it's not, we really can't do two separate things. It needs to be one. Like we need, I, I want to end on some sort of practical things, application, something that's like, okay, we just fired this guy up. He realizes he needs to do all this stuff. And, and he's like four totem poles down from, from the top. And, and what can he do? What's a good, what are good baby steps for somebody that's at this level to, to try to move in the right direction? Uh, either you guys want to breathe on that? I think Anthony did a great job of pointing out that you don't have to get so caught up in the tag of membership or in the tag of the polity side to begin discipling somebody right where they're at. So if you've already got a discipleship strategy at your church that's working and you've got people that are meeting together digitally, start where you're at and start discipling them and don't worry about getting caught up in the tag of whether or not they're a member, you know? Uh, start where you're at right now and don't, don't allow that to be your focus or driver, just your role and responsibility and I think we can all agree on this, is not really to make members, it's to make disciples, right? So um, as you do that, start where you're at start discipling them and start unleashing them to do the work of the ministry. And then as you, your leadership is asking questions, let them know, Hey, listen, these folks are out here doing the work of the ministry, man. Like whether or not they have a say in our church or, or the polity side or whatever else, it's really inconsequential compared to the amount of ministry that they're doing. Anthony, you want to weigh in on that? Uh, practical. So here's what I would say to that person who's feeling very conflicted. Like, well, I don't have the authority to do everything that these guys are talking about today. Here's the thing. The local church is at a crossroads and has the opportunity to either facilitate, organize, and empower life change or settle for systemic intervention. To settle is to be a part of the problem. To accept the challenge of transformational change is the narrow path. Hmm. The opposite of courage is not cowardice, it's conformity. Even a dead fish goes with the flow. So hmm. if that scares you, then you probably are not at a place where it's ever going to change, or you're going to have to be the catalyst to change, and you have to have the wisdom and discernment to understand that. Because I would not waste my life and my energies trying to go uh, with the flow that's dead. I would leave the stream and go do something else somewhere else if it really meant I either have to conform because we're not willing to change, we're not willing to say, where do we add the most value to people online? What is it? What's the difference between our pixel model and the physical model, right? If we can't ask those questions, if we can't deconstruct that in a healthy way, and it is confrontational, it just doesn't have to be mean. 
Confrontation is not bad, it's healthy. It says, why and why not? What if? And here's a model, here's what we're understanding. This would be far more valuable, have a far greater impact on the way we resource people and be a much better return on ministry investment than anything else we're doing in the physical church. We see this as imperative. Okay. Do you see that? And can I help you get there? And if mm. the answer is no, you have to ask God if your time there is done. Wow. Even a dead fish goes with the flow. Um, I love that. Oh yeah, I'm gonna adopt that. Let that's. I'll totally give you credit, Anthony. Whenever I say it, but like I, I have a, I have a just a, a running joke of whether a quote's tattoo worthy or not. Like, would I tattoo that on my body? That's on the list of tattoo worthy. Uh, my <laughs> wife's not gonna let it happen, so it'll never happen. Uh, I'll never tattoo your name on my body, Anthony. I just want to let you know. Uh, but I, I would actually consider it because it's that's a real. <laughs> there you go. Um, wow. Hey, hey, church person out there. Um, and, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but while you're creating disciples, um, while your disciples are creating disciples, celebrate that, share that yeah. story, share the story of, of how you're empowering people to do ministry. Not that you did the ministry, don't claim the, the glory for yourself, but how you've been able to reproduce and, and share the gospel in a way that others have picked it up and run with it as well. There's some scary things coming down the road. Biblically, if we look at the Bible in context of what church online can be a solution for, and the more that we move towards creating disciples, uh, the more that we move away from this idea of having these mega buildings that cost a ton of money in context of tax, property tax, mm -hmm. maintenance, things like that. On the road that we're on, if we look at the Bible and what Revelation says, we're not going to be able to have these... Uh, landmarks in place across, across our property. And the more that we are able across our, our country, and the more that we're able to um, not depend on these things to impact lives and to create disciples and to make disciples and to make disciples and make disciples, like we need to change our business model. What we're doing is not going to work long term. And so celebrate these stories, share these things, share how it's happening, encourage others one person uh, at, at a time and help your leadership see that. It's not a quick battle. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, uh, but it does happen. And there are churches that are successful doing that. Yeah, so pastors will often say, yeah, yeah, the healthy things grow. Here's the thing. Yes. Make sure the emphasis is on the right syllable, right? Healthy things grow. Cancer grows too. So up into the right lagging indicator metrics are not a sufficient reason to claim success. High attendance is not a reason to claim success. Healthy growth requires discipleship because it's sustainable by everyone, not merely the few with or on the platform. Plus, it's the actual mandate, not merely that nice to have, but have you seen our numbers? No, go and make disciples is a directive for growth, not growth as a success metric. Mm. Ray, questions, thoughts. Anthony, thank you for that. Ray, anything as we're landing? Yeah, uh, for those of you who are still struggling, like through whether or not your church should do membership and stuff, and whether or not like how the biblical stuff and all that work work out about it, I encourage you to take to take a gander at what Anthony was talking about. Are you really more concerned about polity, or are you really concerned about well, what are we unleashing on the world in terms of disciples? Take a look at that. 
do some hardcore wrestling with it prayerfully, like with your pastoral team, and really have some hard, honest conversations around that because churches today are still struggling through that. You're not alone in that struggle. Hey, thanks, Ray, for that. Anthony, uh, 20, 30 seconds, landing the plane. What do you got? Uh, mathematician and statistician George Box has a phrase that fits here. All models are wrong, but some are useful. So go make disciples, and if that means members, great, but don't make it a requirement. Good. Church, that was that was so good. Church, last I checked, um, membership's not listed in the Bible. I, I don't think it talks about membership, uh, but it does talk about making disciples. And so, church online, people focusing in that realm, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the commands I have given you. Um, pretty sure that's verbatim. Uh, maybe that's NIV 1984, but it's close. Hey, so thank you for that. Anthony, uh, appreciate you coming in and jumping on this. It's been a great podcast. Um, Ray, once again, uh, man, love having you on. Uh, my name is Jeff. This has been the Church Digital Podcast. Uh, appreciate you, listening audience out there, and uh, looking forward to letting you hear us next time here on the Church Digital Podcast. Y'all have a good day. <laughs>